This is an Alexandrian Media original podcast. show culture but not really i'm your host brian edwards and i'm your other host stephen trygaard and this is a show about history and pop culture whether you want it to be about that or not <laughs> well i would hope so because that's what you're here for i hope unless yeah. you stumbled here by accident then welcome yeah thanks welcome for joining show. us we love having you yeah so this this time i was feeling a little uh Dramatic. Yes. That's all every day, all day with you. Yes, that's me every day. Um so I decided that it was high time to revisit William Shakespeare. Do you remember all the way back in the very, very beginning when we first started the show and we tried to to do test runs of you the show? You tried and failed. And <laughs> I destroyed an episode on Romeo and Juliet. It was and thought, so... Uh, <laughs> it was really bad. We didn't have our legs wet yet. Yeah. Well, that was a test run. We had the, the two test runs. Yeah, I did well, yeah. and you did bad. Yeah. Which was ironic, since one of us had previously been somewhat successful as a podcaster. As a podcaster, yeah. And it was not me. Yeah. Well, you set the tone for the show. I was. So I did you- such a great job. Yeah. Thank you, Frank Lloyd Wright, for having an interesting life. Yeah. And also me for being able to deliver that to the people. <laughs> to the people. Uh, but uh, at that time, we decided that we you should... You didn't even make it all the way through. You like made it like halfway, and then you were like... Yeah, we got about three quarters of the way through, you were and like, I was like, no. This isn't good. This isn't good. Uh, but we did finish it just to, to kind of like have something there. Did we? Yeah. Oh. We, yeah, we finished it. I think and I it, just blocked it out of my mind. Yeah, I, we we definitely acknowledged the fact that it was a bad episode, and then finished it just to kind of like have something in the the this arsenal. The lost episode, um, which maybe we drop it no. as as Patreon no. bonus, but no, no, it's, it was a pretty. It's bad just not. Episode. It's not worth listening to. No, it was not fun. Yeah. I was um, there. I'll tell you firsthand. <laughs> it was not fun. But we decided that it would probably be at best that before we approached any of Shakespeare's plays, that we should probably talk about Shakespeare himself. Well, because that was a big part of the, the issue is it was like too big for one episode to just talk about the the play. Yeah. And here we are a year and a half later, and I'm finally talking about it. That's how long it took him to recover the emotional <laughs> devastation that was. Yeah. Um, so let's get started because we've got a lot of stuff to cover before we get to the break of the episode. Well, um, fucking go, dog. So if you do not know, if you've lived under a rock, and I know we, we say this a lot. Uh, I but, say that to Stephen all the time. Yeah, because I live He's under a rock. bad with, yeah. with modern stuff. <laughs> William Shakespeare was an actor, a playwright, a poet and a theater entrepreneur in London during the late Elizabethan and early Jacobian eras. 
Um, his birthday is not really known. Uh, they have some ideas as to what his birthday is just based off of uh, traditions and practices of the time. Um, but he was baptized on April 26th in 1564. Uh, some scholars believe that he was born three days earlier on April 23rd in 1564, which holds some significance that I'll mention later. He was born in Stratford-upon-Avon, which I love British town names. They're all so long. <laughs> and, like, they're all based on something else. Yeah. They're, all their positions are based on another place that people might know. Yeah. Stratford-upon-Avon, uh, or just Stratford, in Warwickshire, England. Sure. Which is a county in England. Uh-huh. His father was John Shakespeare, who was a very successful... have the same ring to it. I know, right? Imagine being anyone but William Shakespeare. Hi, I'm John Shakespeare. My name's Dave Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> John Shakespeare was a very successful glover in Snitterfield, also in Warwickshire. Do you know what a glover is? I know the video game glover from the Nintendo 64. <laughs> I don't think it has any relation to what we're talking about here. A glover is just a glove maker. I kind of thought about yeah. that as well. Uh, his mother was Mary Arden, who was the youngest child of John's father's landlord. Twice removed. <laughs> the couple married in 1557 and had eight children. And William was the first son and the first surviving child in the family, two earlier children died in infancy, two older sisters. William had one other sister who died in childbirth, but most of his other siblings lived to adulthood. So it's so sad to remember that people just didn't let, like make it. Yeah. So about almost just a little over half of the children survived into adulthood. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Which... That was what happened. It stinks at the first two. I, I mean, if it was part of what what was life imagine, back then, yeah. Imagine like because like I know people deal with that kind of stuff nowadays, but there's a lot more things to like yeah. keep from it getting that crazy. It's much more devastating now. But I mean, like, imagine going through the process of bearing a child for nine months, giving birth to it, and then it just dying. Yeah, and, and then like it wasn't doing it again and it dying. Yeah. And then doing it again, hoping it doesn't die. Like In this case, it didn't. I know, but like... Yeah. That's... I would have stopped after the first one. From what I know about childbirth, it's not exactly yeah. a walk in the park. Well, that's that's what we know now, because we have more updated medicine that helps things. Yeah, and, but that's what I mean. Like, back then, it was even worse. Yeah. So to do it three times and finally get one that made it? Yeah. Ooh. But despite all of that, Shakespeare's family did very well from themselves as he grew up. His father's business as a glover thrived around the time of his birth, and he owned several properties in Stratford. He also had a profitable, but unfortunately illegal side gig as, get this, a seller of wool. <laughs> that illegal wool. That <laughs> lucrative that lucrative wool. That stuff. That um, dank wool. Yeah. 
uh, it wasn't the wall that was the problem. It was the fact that he was an unlicensed broker um, of wool. He was appointed to several municipal offices and served as an alderman and chief magistrate of the town council until the late eight, until the late 1560s. But in 1576, when William was 12, something not really known to history happened to him and the family fell on hard times. Uh, right around that time, he started becoming a problem with the law. He was prosecuted for his unlicensed dealing in the wool business and for usury, which was more specifically because he was charging 10 cents more uh, than the legal limit uh, at the time for what his, for his tenants. Yeah. <laughs> um, he ended up having to mortgage and then he subsequently lost lands that he had obtained through his wife's inheritance. Uh, those lambs would have been inherited by William if he didn't lose them. And then finally, he would eventually be replaced as Burgess because he went four years of skipping out on council meetings. Four years is a lot of time for people just to say, oh, he'll be back. It sounds like our last president. <laughs> Whoop. It's I a, went there. That's a lot of time. Yeah. That's a lot of time for people just on the council to yeah. say, oh, he'll be back. It's like, year three, I'd be that's like. a lot of golfing yeah. in Florida. <laughs> Even one full year of not a pro, not like showing up to meetings, but four years. And also, imagine getting like arrested for selling wool improperly. <laughs> imagine, just, imagine just going because to you jail. Were unlicensed. Imagine going to jail and someone's like, "What are you in for?" And you're like, "I sold wool. I sold wool badly." <laughs> um, so that's enough about his family for now. Uh, Shakespeare was sent to the King Edward the Sixth School at Stratford which was a grammar school free to all male children. And I love that we have to clarify that. Yeah. And surprisingly, it didn't open up to females until 2013. It's still running. It's such garbage. <laughs> I would I would like protest my mom from making me go there. I'd be like, excuse you. Yeah. This is an unhealthy learning environment. <laughs> um, the only evidence that we have that he actually went to the school was purely based on the fact that it was less than a quarter mile away from his home and just a few yards away from where his father sat on the town council. Um, there's no attendance records that survive. Um, and the only kind of other hints at the fact that he went to the school was for the fact that it was a grammar school and how Shakespeare's career turned out. Uh, classes were held every day except for Sunday with a half day on Thursdays and it ran all year round, no summer breaks. It ran from 6 o'clock a.m. to 5 o'clock p.m. Uh, throughout most of the year and then 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. during the winter. And every day they would have a two-hour lunch break. Sounds amazing. <laughs> you start that early in the morning. I'd hope you have a two-hour break. Um, 
as I was as I previously mentioned, other reasons why scholars believe that he went to the school was because it was a grammar school, and that the curriculum of a grammar school would have provided him with an intense education on Latin grammar and literature. By ten, he would have begun translating Cicero, Terence, Virgil, and Ovid. By fourteen, uh, which would be the end of the studies there, he would be quite familiar with Latin authors, drama, and rhetoric, and most importantly. Uh, the students were expected to perform Latin plays to better understand the rhetoric. So these are the kind of things why people believe that he did go to this school. Interesting. By the age of 18, Shakespeare married Anne Hathaway. (laughs) I always thought that was the weirdest coincidence. (laughs) Who was eight years older than he was, uh, which, good for him. Okay. And um, what? Yeah. But that is only the beginning of the scandal. Uh, Anne Hathaway was the daughter of Richard Hathaway, a um, a farmer in Shottery, which is a mile west of Stratford. Uh, there was a lot of intense legal things that happened leading up to their marriage. Uh, a lot of hushed kind of things that that were kind of pushed under the under the table but most of the people that surrounded their lives were pretty supportive of their marriage uh but mostly the legal problems started because he was underage to be wed uh and so he needed a lot of extra signatures and a lot of extra permissions from the churches and the 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 kind of governments in the area to be wed uh but that was pretty much the kind of forefront reason for why things were so strange in their marriage um at least getting ready to be wed a lot of people still believed oh they have all these legal proceedings because he's so young but the biggest thing was that after six months from being married, they had their first child, which kind of revealed the fact that the reason they got married was because they had a child out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. Um, that daughter uh, was Susanna. And then they had two twin children a few years later in 1585. Uh, his son Hamnet and daughter Judith, who are named after neighbors of theirs. That's a terrible name, Hamnet. Hamnet. If I'm pronouncing that correct. Uh, so right after the birth of his twins is where Shakespeare's life gets a little bit fuzzy. Uh, scholars call the, the seven years after the twins' birth as the lost years. Um, there are some stories that circle around this time some people think that he skipped town to escape prosecution (laughs) because he was poaching deer on an estate of a local squire named thomas lucy like father like son (laughs) like father like son uh but that's just a story we can't prove that's true um and some others say that he just became a county schoolmaster and he had no real kind of important life to live and that that theory is only based on a will that was left by uh alexander houghton 
of Lancashire, um, naming a William Shakeshaft as somebody who was on his will to receive parts of his estate. Um, but that theory is kind of unsupported because uh, Shakeshaft was such a popular name in Lancashire. It's a weird name. I know. And it's oddly close, which... Anyway, uh, it wasn't until 1592, thanks to a public attack in print by the playwright Robert Greene, that scholars can finally pinpoint Shakespeare as part of the theater world and having his plays performed on the stages in London. So now we finally, after all these lost years, we finally are able to say, okay, here's where Shakespeare is now, and he's starting to, to write plays and so on and so forth. The statement that was published reads, There is an upstart crow, beautified with our feathers, that with his tiger's heart wrapped in a player's hide, supposes he as well as a bombast out a blank verse as the best of you, and being an absolute Johannes Factitum, in his own conceit, the only shake scene in the country. <laughs> Which, <laughs> if you understood any I don't of that, know what that means. Um, let me try and break that down. Break <laughs> uh, it, break it, break it, break it down. The accusations were simply that Shakespeare was reaching above his rank by trying to match university-educated writers. And I say that in quotes, um, such as Robert Greene himself, who wrote that that quote. Uh, Christopher Marlowe and Thomas Nash. In the text that I read, the phrase tiger's heart wrapped in a player's hide was italicized, and it was a parody of the line, oh, tiger's heart wrapped in a woman's hide uh, from Shakespeare's play Henry VI, part three. So it's a clearly parodying something that Shakespeare wrote, hinting, making it clear that it was hinting towards Shakespeare. Um, and then also the pun shake scene kind of also hints at that as well. And then finally, the use of Johannes Factotum, or translated to Jack of all trades, accuses someone to be a second-rate tinkerer with the work of others. I hate that dude. That's <laughs> <laughs> Robert Green go suck an egg. Yeah. By 1594, Shakespeare was part owner of a playing company known as the Lord Chamberlain's Men after their aristocratic sponsor, Lord Chamberlain, which... Ah, I see. <laughs> um, their troupe became so popular that after the death of Elizabeth I and the coronation of James I, James I adopted the company and became known as the King's Men. But the only really adopted... Um, they were only really adopted into the King's men uh, after Lord Chamberlain passed away. Mm. Uh, Shakespeare's rising status brought honor back to his family, beginning with the renewal for an application of an armorial bearings and the status of a gentleman. So when he was a younger man, young child, his father, John Shakespeare, tried to apply for a coat of arms, which got rejected when interesting and so william shakespeare 
tried to get that application renewed and succeeded and the family finally received a coat of arms uh shakespeare wrote many of the plays uh his company enacted the king's men uh as part of keeping costs down he personally would act in various parts most famously the ghost of hamlet's father um but then there are some other roles that he took on that are kind of not as expected and are argued upon, uh, such as Adam in As You Like It and the chorus in Henry V. Mm. Uh, his, of course, when you're attached to the king, he became incredibly prosperous. Most of his earned money was sent to secure his family's position in Stratford. Uh, and he spent a significant amount of time. He would go and travel to his family every year for a little period of time, uh, but then would just return to London to continue working for the rest of the year. Uh, he would eventually purchase a house in Stratford where he would retire just a few years before his death. His acting career came into decline due to the bubonic plague, which caused playhouses to slowly close. Um, Shakespeare died on April 23rd, 1616, mm. which was his birthday. Uh, or at least what people think to be his birthday. Nobody really knows how he died, but some say it was because he drank too much. <laughs> um, I can't relate. <laughs> um, not really much else explains what happened, especially considering that um, just a month earlier, when he was writing his will, he wrote that he was in perfectly good health. Well, no one knew what that meant back then. Yeah, well, he felt that way. That doesn't mean he did uh, feel... That doesn't mean he was in perfect health. He felt that way. There's not a lot of evidence that exactly supports how and when Shakespeare's plays fit into his life chronologically. We can, however, say that much of his early writings were histories and comedies... And then in the middle of his career, he transitioned into strictly kind of more, more specifically tragedies. And then towards the end, he wrote tragic comedies or romances, which in its title kind of hints at the fact that they're both yeah. tragedies and comedies at the same time. There is one thing that everybody personally, I, I believe everybody needs to know about Shakespeare's plays, and that is that. He, 90% of the time, was not the sole writer of the plays. Um, there's only really one or two plays that we know that he wrote alone. The biggest one being The Tempest, mm. which is, I think, considered to be one of the, 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 I think the third to last of his plays that he wrote. And then there are a lot of people who think that he wrote Love's Labor is Lost mm. by himself. Um, but... Most of the things that he wrote were either collaborated with or there were significant revisions uh, after his death or when things were published and can't be truly attributed, attributed yeah. to Shakespeare himself, um, which feels a little bit more. <laughs> I, I like that answer more than to the fact that Shakespeare, that people are saying like Shakespeare stole people's work, which is never really true. It's just. 
mounting plays like this, especially when you are expected to mount so many plays in a year as part of the like the the royal court. Yeah. Um, you need somebody to to help. Oh yeah. Plus, it's hard to have the mental capacity to completely originally write every single thing. Right. That they that he did. Right. Um, and so th- we do. There are a few people that we do know that he did collaborate with. There are names. I have left them out of this episode because we're talking about Shakespeare. Yeah, fuck those guys. Um, <laughs> but there are there are a few things that at least we are able to say that Shakespeare did write with these very specific people and that most of their names aren't just completely lost to history. Um, however, in the public, like modern public, we just think of it as Shakespeare. A lot of the times when we get something gets performed on Broadway or just a, like a Shakespeare festival, those names usually get left out, which is unfortunate. And it's usually just yeah. Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. or yeah. But yeah, at least as far as history goes, we do know names and that they aren't just completely lost. Um. So we're going to take a bit of a break right here. When we come back, we're going to have a little game to play. Yay. <laughs> I know you love your games. Love so, we'll, so we'll be right back. And we're back. That was fun. Yeah. So... You remember Robert Greene, right? That I had mentioned, and he wrote that. Yeah, he was the dick bag. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it would be a little bit fun to play be... a game hmm. called Is This a Shakespeare Play or a Green Prose? Based on the title alone. <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> so I'm going to list a title of either a Shakespeare play or a piece of prose written by Robert Greene. And I want you to try and guess if you think it's a Shakespeare play or green prose. You can just say Shakespeare or green. Um, this is going to show whether or not I actually have any knowledge of actual Shakespeare shit. <laughs> it's just the my biggest reason for doing this is just to show like how like this this is a very these titles are a much of product of its time. Mm. Um. So we'll 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 start with the anatomy of lovers' flatteries. That's weird. I don't like that sentence you just said. <laughs> that was the title. Let's say green. Yeah. Yeah. Um. This one should be easy. The Merry Wives of Windsor. Shakespeare. Yeah. Pericles, Prince of Tyre. Shakespeare? Yeah, Shakespeare. Shakespeare. <laughs> Shakespeare. <laughs> Trollicus and Cressida. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm saying green because I don't know what you just said. That's Shakespeare. I don't know what you just said. That's why I thought Trollicus was... and Cressida. Cressida? Shakespeare play. <laughs> See, even you don't know what it is. I do I don't I know that it is Shakespeare. I don't know how to pronounce it. 
but I was, I didn't want to be like much ado about nothing because like we all know that's Shakespeare. Julia Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one, the Spanish Mascarado. Green. Yeah. Okay. Um, then the next one, the debate between folly and love. Shakespeare. No, that's green. I hate this. <laughs> this is the last one. The two gentlemen of Verona. Oh, that's Shakespeare. Yeah. That one I knew. That one's easy. That one I knew. Yeah. I don't know how much of it is like people adding things into the titles of green's things, but 90% of the ones that I found had his name in the title. Oh, like greens thoughts on blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, great dude. Like, I don't give a shit about your life. Um, That's the only way that he was able to stay relevant at all. (laughs) But again, I don't know how much of that was like posthumous retitlings or whatever. Um, but, uh, yay. That was fun. So much fun. (laughs) Figure we break up something with that. Um, only because, Shakespeare, unfortunately, there's not a great deal about his life. Um, There's really very little information. And the most information that we do have about his life are his business dealings, which nobody gives a shit. Not really exciting. No, nobody wants to listen to. I've done episodes like that, and I regret doing them. (laughs) So when I was trying to compile my notes earlier, I thought, I don't think people want to hear about... The people do not want to hear. <laughs> just, uh, just Shakespeare buying properties to, to help his family get back on its feet. Which I mentioned it, great, but we don't need to know what specific properties. I just fell asleep listening to you talk about how you didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Shakespeare in his time more more recognized as as a actor than the playwright and it wasn't until his <laughs> yawn it wasn't until his uh until the, his po- plays got published that people started to really uh see him for the writing genius that he was um but yeah so i figured this last chunk of our episode here However, a longer takes. Uh, we would talk about Shakespeare's impact on modern culture because that's usually what we do here. Okay. Uh, I mean, I think I personally think that Shakespeare has is somebody who his name alone is just as powerful as his works. Yeah. I think as soon as you hear Shakespeare, William well, I Shakespeare, think it's a, it's certainly a case where like I don't think there's a person in the English world that doesn't know yeah. his name, yeah, and know about him, like about his work, right? Especially considering now reading at least one of his plays is curriculum. Oh yeah, and also his works have been a- adapted into so many different form, like formats oh, yeah. and. Yeah, Romeo and Juliet. I mean, I think Romeo and Juliet is probably the most re 
like it has the most adaptations of anything that he wrote. Yeah. I mean, and then things that were branched off of from that other stories that were kind of taken, taken from his, or, I mean, and I understand that a lot of Shakespeare's plays were also stories taken from something else like uh, Venus and Adonis being kind of like your Romeo and Juliet, um, or histories because uh, Shakespeare wrote a lot of histories, yeah. but um, it's because of his histories that we know who they are, like Richard the Third or or Henry the Fifth or Edward the Third, um, and which were mostly part of his early life. But um, well, just curiosity, what's your favorite of Shakespeare's works? Mister Midnight's Dream and. I'm just gonna say that if I didn't, where did yeah. guess? I think because it is so fantastical, it is probably one of the more like fantasy driven. Yeah. Do you know my favorite? Something keeps telling me that it's the Taming of the Shrew. It's not the Taming of the Shrew. I couldn't remember. I vaguely had a feeling that we had a conversation about the Taming of the you Shrew. You actually already named it in this episode already. Uh... Uh, was it part of the game? No, it was a, okay. it, it was a comment you made, not in your notes. Just can we just tell you? Yeah, twelfth night. Oh, twelfth night. That's right. Yeah, I I do remember that. I honestly can't say that I know twelfth night as well as I know other ones. I the reason why this is this is gonna be how sad my life is. But the only reason I I know that 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 particular Shakespeare play as well as I do is because I remember getting obsessed about it after I, I fell in love with the movie She's the Man. Oh, okay. Which is a modern yeah. adaptation of Twelfth Night. Yeah. In literally every sense of the word. Like, they use the same names of everything. Oh. Not even subtly using, <laughs> like, very obviously being used. Yeah. And I remember when I found out that it was an adaptation of a Shakespeare play, I like sought it out and like became obsessed with it because I used to love that movie. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, the, o- the only thing about Twelfth Night that I can picture in my head is um, a very short clip of one of the actors in the most recent Broadway production of Twelfth Night mm. um, done up in the makeup and everything. Mm. And, I, and honestly, I can think that's the only thing that I know of Twelfth Night. Because even even like as far as opera goes, there's not a whole lot of operatic adaptations of Twelfth Night, um, as much as there is uh, Romeo and Juliet or Midsummer Night's Dream. Well, it's or also not Anthony one of the, and Cleopatra. It's also not one of the big ones. Yeah, that's kind of also. I'm always a fan of people's work that's not like the number one yeah i always found myself drawn to the like the less lesser known or not as played up versions of yeah stuff which kind of goes towards one of my other favorites of shakespeare's is a winter's tale it's one of his later ones i'm not familiar with that one um i think besides romeo and juliet hamlet 
I never did. We never touched Hamlet oh, in we, school. We did. We did Macbeth. Macbeth too. Um, I was actually surprised that we never touched Hamlet in. I remember in watching Patrick Stewart yeah. doing Hamlet in in high school. Yeah, and even when I took my Shakespeare class in college, Hamlet was not one that we touched. Yeah, we touched that. Yeah, we touched that one. We also, and part of the reason why I fell in love with Twelfth Night is we we also during our lesson got to choose our own mm. to learn about that wasn't one of the the ones that we like had to learn. Yeah. So that's when I chose Twelfth Night and like fell in love with it. Yeah. Um, when I took my Shakespeare class, we started with um, The Merchant of Venice. Never did that one. Um, then we moved on to King Lear. Never did that one. Um, then I can't remember the timeline after that. I definitely know that we started with King Lear, or not King Lear. We started with uh, Merchant of Venice and we ended on The Tempest. Mm. Um, but then in the middle there, we were supposed to do Midsummer Night's Dream, but we never got to it. We did Midsummer Night's Dream. I think we started with Midsummer Night's Dream. Then we in the middle was Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Then we went to Hamlet, and then we went to Macbeth. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, university course. We were supposed to get to Othello, and we just never got. We that got far. in my university course. We got to Othello. Then we got we did Othello, King Lear, um, and what was the other one? Uh, I'm drawing a blank, and I'll remember it soon. But we were supposed to get to a Midsummer Night's Dream, um, and um, yeah. But I do remember one of my favorite parts of that class was learning all of the um, the kind of curses that Shakespeare. Oh, the like, yeah, the the Shakespeare curses. Um, I'll have to find it eventually because I have the the teacher wrote her own little packet and she wrote like how to write your own Shakespearean curse. Um, but uh, if we, but in high school we only I only ever did Romeo and Juliet and Macbeth. Mm. Um, I think I did make I think I did Romeo and Juliet in my freshman year. And then it wasn't until my junior year that I touched Macbeth. Um, but yeah, I, I also am a, a freaking nerd and I have Big old nerd. a book of the complete Shakespeare plays. Um, that my mom was always a big fan of Shakespeare. Hi mom. Hi. She's also she was an English major, so she of course had to like learn yeah. all, all the Shakespeare. Um, one of my aunt's best friends is a huge Shakespeare nerd, and I remember any time that I had any questions about Shakespeare, I would initially go to my aunt, and then she would say, "I don't like Shakespeare," <laughs> um, and then she would send me off to her friend Becky. Um, Thank you, Becky. Thanks, Becky. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Trying to think of some major, if you can think of anything, any major things that, I mean, cause there's so many of them 
adaptations of a Shakespeare play. I remember they did an episode of The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody about Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah. <laughs> Does that count? No, the, I think the biggest adaptation I know of is the um, um, Leonardo DiCaprio, Romeo and Juliet, where yeah. they do the whole, it's the entirety, uh, like word for word, Romeo and Juliet, but it takes place in Venice Beach, California. Yeah. And it's all modern, like everything except for what, how, like the delivery. Right. What's, West Side Story. Oh, West Side Story, too. West yeah. Side Story, it's Romeo and Juliet. Um, it's, well, it's the, the Latina. Yeah. Latino, Latinx. Yeah. Romeo and Juliet. Um, they recently just did another version of that. Of West Side Story? Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. In, last year? Yeah. End of the beginning of this year, they Spiel, Spielberg. Spielberg. Steven Spielberg did a, <laughs> did a brand new one that I heard was like, meh. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, it's nothing different from the first movie version, but yeah. I guess it's new yeah um 10 things i hate about you yeah that movie that that's where the taming of the shrew comes in uh, she's all that is taming of the shrew yeah taming of the shrew is an unspoken kind of like hit well it became easy to make adaptations of it because it's basically just like the let's tr- let's make the you know the sort of not hot girl into a hot girl and see if people notice. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just basically, if you want to think about it, my fair lady. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's like, it's, it's the, yeah, it's a easy digestible story for yeah. people to, to, and it's easy. It's definitely one of the easier ones to ad- adapt into. Yeah. You know, modern media. Certainly yeah. like, um, I'm pretty sure the 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 Lion King is an adaptation of King Lear, isn't it? Is it Lear? It's Hamlet. I thought it was gonna. I was gonna say. I thought it was Hamlet. Um, because I remember being like the father son, the father gets killed and they see that blame. Then the son sort of takes the blame of the the death and yeah. But uncle, but yeah, of course it's Hamlet. Of course it's. Hamlet. Now that I think about <laughs> Why it, Why do we think it was King Lear? We're also Why do I this, think it was King Lear? We're also recording this shortly after I personally have woken up from yeah. from sleeping in the morning. So, um, of course it's Hamlet. Yeah, because it's all about the uncle kills the father, who's a king in his own way. Yeah, and then the, basically blames the son for it, and the son exiles himself out of shame and grief. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um it makes so much sense now. Yeah. I mean, there's an on I know they also, list they of, also no they did a parody of Hamlet on the Simpsons. That's true. I think it was a, a Treehouse of Horror episode. I don't know. I don't I haven't watched the Simpsons in a long time. That was one of those things that I wasn't allowed to watch as a kid. I can understand why to yeah. to Profane for a good to profanity. To profanity. Well, I said too profane. Yeah, I that's know. the appropriate way to say. I it. I know. Um, but yeah, I think that it's pretty clear. It's pretty how, obvious how much Shakespeare's permeated our, our yeah. modern day culture. Just, just showing how much we're struggling to come up with things because of just. The, the never-ending list of things that have been adapted um, 
into modern things and uh, art pieces of art and other pieces of literature, movies. There was a gay version, things. sort of adaptation of Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, a what version? A gay version. Oh yeah, uh, it's called Were the World Mine. World the World Mine. That was one of my favorites. I love that movie. That was one of my favorites. That was like uh, that was an awakening I had in high yeah, school. Yeah, me too. <laughs> My my when I was in my my high school GSA, our advisor told us about it, and I went home and found it on Netflix and watched it, and I was like, "Yeah, gay, 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 gay." Yeah, just basically the the flower that makes Titania see her uh, bottom as it not her bottom, but. <laughs> The character bottom, yes, as as an ass, um, that that flower then becomes the uh, agent of chaos by um, when he sprays the the like, flower juices in everybody's yeah, face. Yeah, he all makes everyone gay. gay. <laughs> <laughs> he makes the entire town gay. Yeah, because he is a gay. Yeah, being, he wants everybody to be gay because he's like people are are persecuting him for being gay. So he's like getting them back by making them all gay. Yeah. And the the teacher is there, like as the uh, the stirrer of chaos through it all. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, it was yeah. such a good movie. I just remember it was so. It's like so bad, but it's like it, I know. so good. It's so stupid. I love it. <laughs> um, I think because I always, I personally wanted to turn everyone in my house, my, my school gay, in your my, house, my house, my school gay. No way, my high school, your high school. Because you wanted people to. I just wanted people to be gay. Yeah, I just wanted people to be gay. Yeah, is that so bad? Um, is that so terrible to want people to be gay? Yeah. Also, I think one thing about Mister My Stream that's one of my favorites is um, is the is Puck's uh, dialogue at the end, kind of his solo dialogue. One of my favorite moments of the play. Um, but, yeah. I think um, we've talked about this enough. Too much. Enough, yeah. Too much. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for listening to our ramblings. Um, it's probably a very, very rough start into the world of Shakespeare, but... Uh, but we have the open the door. We have open the door, especially because Shakespeare is like his life and his works are just so open to interpretation. Yeah, it's really it's really truly hard. I think that's where I struggled when we did, tried to do the Romeo well, and Juliet. The episode. biggest issue is you wanted to talk about Romeo and Juliet, but realized you couldn't talk about Romeo and Juliet without talking about some of Shakespeare, and it just became so muddled of like trying to force the Romeo and Juliet into the talking of of William Shakespeare, and it was like. This isn't working. Yeah. It felt very rambly, like yeah. very disjointed, very aim- yeah. aimless in a yeah. way. Especially because so much of it is absolutely ambiguous. Um, yeah. So anyway, at least we wanted to get onto this topic eventually because now we can talk about the plays and each of their individual influences 
and but maybe we should take a break before we oh, yeah. go, go headfirst into the, give our viewers a chance to recover to recover <laughs> yeah i mean of course because since when have we talked anything about about walt disney or anything else that he's done since we've 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 given wide enough births to other topics yeah um that we will eventually get back to, but but we thank you for listening, yeah, and, and joining us on this wild ride. This trip. <laughs> um, and, uh, thank you to Daryl Banner for a theme song. Thank you. Uh, thank you to our supporters, our Patreon members. Yeah. If you uh, want to become a Patreon member, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash reallycultured. And we appreciate everyone for sharing the show with family and friends. And it's really the best way to get us, you know, the, the, the viewership that we, we so desperately crave. Um, and you can share it with friends with anywhere they can get podcasts. We appreciate anyone that tells a friend. and Yeah. Or even just the people that rate and review our show on on Apple Podcasts, because that helps us get into people's search algorithms and gets us out there. Even if you just want to share on social medias with friends and family, just say, hey, look at this cool show I listen to. It's, it's fun. It's two big gay idiots being dumb and stupid, but I love them. Yeah. That's, what I, that's how I tell my friends about our show. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so thank you. And uh, by the time this episode drops, our first Patreon-only episode has finally released. Um, that one was Brian's Revenge on me pulling a, a bracket game on him without warning. I got to see Steven struggle as he chose which <laughs> which fantasy world was his favorite. When he I got to destroy worlds in the palm of my hand. And but he cried while he did I it. I cried while I did big it. Big baby. Yeah. Um, so you can support us on patreon.com slash reallycultured. And you can sign up uh, at that lowest level and get that bonus content. Uh, which will then give you access to ad-free versions of all the episodes as well. So you get that. And then if you want to sign up at the higher level, we have some uh, review episodes that we're going to be doing soon um, that will be additional bonus for the higher level as well. And yeah. But... As Brian said, you can always support us at all those other places. So even if you can't can't do it financially, just the the support on the, the social medias, the support and sharing the show is what really matters right. overall anyway. Yeah. But that's it for now. And we'd like to ask you, listener, are you feeling really cultured today? Tis I. Yeah. That's a Shakespeare thing. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Alexandrian Media, Art and Culture for the Modern Era.